You're listening to the Product Podcast from Product School, featuring the best product leaders from Silicon Valley and beyond. If you're an aspiring product manager looking for your first PM role or an experienced PM looking to level up your skills and advance your career, visit productschool.com to learn about our certifications and how we'll get you there. Today, we're stepping into the world of product management case studies, and our expert navigator is none other than Nina Olding, a product leader at Google. Listen in to uncover the keys to creating compelling case studies and acing your interviews. Hello, thank you for joining my webinar around uh, drafting, creating, and presenting strong product management case studies. Uh, I hope it's helpful for you. My name is Nina Olding, and I am currently a product manager at Google. In the past, I have worked at uh, Zendesk, at Facebook before it was Meta, um, and at a travel tech startup, as well as in insurance and some other random things. So I've had a long and winding road to get to product management. I've been a product manager for about eight years now, um, and I've written my fair share of case studies, as well as um, I have reviewed many case studies um, on hiring panels for various companies. So. Uh, as I said earlier, I hope this is helpful, and let's jump right in. There's some quick, uh, quick note on the scope of this. Um, I know that case studies in the interview loops themselves are popular. This is actually not going to address those. Hopefully, we'll still be able to use these tips uh, as you tackle those types of um, interviews, but primarily, we're going to talk about take-home assignments and um, that will be our focus. So case studies are not new, but they are becoming increasingly popular. As the landscape of the, the hiring market is changing, um, they serve to sort of unfortunately weed out candidates. They save hiring managers time and effort. Um, and they're a way to, to actually see the quality of your work. So interview questions can sort of be fudged, but it's a lot harder to like fake quality um, in, if you're looking at actual like product analysis and storytelling in like long form written format or a deck, um, it's a better way of looking holistically at a candidate. So it's a bit of a time suck. Um, and I know that, that they can be frustrating, but they actually are, are very helpful for hiring panels. And I think that we're just going to see more of them rather than less. So there are a couple different uh, different ways that you could look at this, and you might not agree with the way that I've laid out these different categories of case studies, and that's fine. Um, this is just a broad categorization, um, and there's all, also overlap between these different types of exercises, uh, but it's really helpful to understand what, what your actual task is when you're trying to figure out what a company is expecting to see from you um, and what type of exercise. So in general, um, one is to perform a specific bounded task. That's like pretty junior. If you're looking at your first product role or you're looking at an ABM role, this might be something uh, that they will ask you to do. Um, and then three is more of like, you're getting up into like the strategic levels. They're looking to see more, more of that strategic, um, broader thinking. Uh, number four is fairly easy to spot. Uh, and I would say proceed at your own risk. Uh, they'll, I have gotten actually requests to do things like review our website and create like a presentation proposing improvements. Um, and like, honestly, I wouldn't bother with those. They are going to be a waste of your time. They are soliciting free work from you and, um, yeah, just look out, look out for those because they, they are out there. So the first thing we'll talk about is, uh, the, the first category, 
the bounded task. This is going to be for your sort of newer PMs. This is a pretty straightforward task. Um, you might be given docs to reference. Um, this is not like a masterclass in, in strategy. Uh, you don't want to go completely off the wall here. This is going to be relatively simple. Uh, the things that they are going to be looking for are whether you pay attention to detail. Can you review the docs if you've been given docs? Um, can you be clear? Are you receptive to feedback? If they're going to um, ask you questions in the interview about your case study, uh, they might be looking for technical skills if they give you API documentation, for example. Um, and then some basic product instincts, like do you understand what the user is in the example that you're that you're given. Um, so an example of a task like this might be, as a PM for a company, uh, write a ticket to address this scenario. And you're given a problem and you have to solve it and write a ticket for an engineer to go fix it. It might be a bug, something like that. Um, these are not as common, these types of exercises, but I've definitely seen these. I've done these myself uh, when I was a new PM entering the field. Um, and yeah, it, should, it shouldn't take you very long. This should be a pretty simple task. And they're not looking for much. Just try and make it polished, make it neat. Um, and don't try to do anything to wow them because that's, that's really not the purpose of the exercise. So the second one is probably going to be the most common. Um, this is going to be uh, the improvement or the solving a problem for a user. So you've probably seen tons and tons of these examples. You've seen like create one example is create a new feature for Instagram influencers, um, solve a problem with a refrigerator, something like that would be like one that you might get in an interview scenario. But the ones that you get written are usually a little bit simpler um, or solve a problem with with um, Uber's, Uber's volume is dropping. Like, what are you going to do about that? So the, the things that they're looking for here are product sense, prioritization, and general storytelling and polish. So do you understand the company? Do you understand the user? Uh, are you going to be able to identify a problem to solve? If they haven't given you a problem, can you figure one out? For example, um, if you are looking at Instagram influencers, why are they using Instagram instead of other platforms? what might be lacking on Instagram today or what problems might they be coming up against. Uh, so that's the kind of thing that you want to, that you want to look at in those scenarios. And the third one will be um, more unusual. I have had these and I have um, reviewed these as well. This is more um, coming up with a, a new product altogether or a business proposal. So this is looking much more broadly, much more strategically, uh, an example of this would be to propose a product to assist in launching the careers of new college graduates. You have a ton of scope to work with there. You have a lot of a lot of uh, material to play with. You there there are many directions that you could go with this. You'll have to do work in looking at the market. Um, there's there's just a lot to work with here. So what the company is going to be looking for, what your hiring panel is going to be looking for are comfort with ambiguity. Can you take a really big kind of hairy uh, problem like this or prompt like this and run with it and create something that makes sense? Um, do you have a vision? Uh, it doesn't need to be some, it doesn't actually need to change the world. It just needs to make sense. Can you create something that that your um, your hiring panel is going to look at and say like yeah I understand why they why they went that direction um, and can you can you be consistent and cohesive in delivering that and do you have product sense D does what you've proposed make sense is there going to be a user um, 
And do you understand the business in the market? This might take a little bit of research, but do you do you understand who your competitors will be? Do you have a plan to to mitigate um, what what are the risks of entering the market? Um, so there's a lot of overlap with the previous type as well. But basically, like, can you articulate a strategy? Uh, do you understand the user? And do you understand what's going to differentiate your product? So now we will move on to tips that are going to be generally applicable across all of these different types. Um, I think you can you can use these tips kind of throughout your whole life as a PM, to be honest. Um, but these are things where I've seen people give up. Um, and I want to make sure that that you don't make those same mistakes. Number one is to state your assumptions, literally list them out. Um, so for any of these types of exercises, they're not going to give you all of the information that you're going to need to create like an airtight, like watertight, perfect solution. That's really not the goal of, of these types of assignments. Um, so you're going to need to make some assumptions. That's that's great. That's fine. Like that's actually that's actually a positive thing if you can see where you're making assumptions. Sometimes people make assumptions and they don't notice that they're making them. So what you need to be conscious of as the person who's writing and delivering this case study is to understand where your assumptions are being made and to clearly articulate those and why you are making those assumptions. Um, another thing that's important to be aware of is whether your approach would have changed given different factors. So in the Instagram influencer example, um, you are assuming that um, Instagram is not planning um, a deeper integration. For example, I'm thinking off the top of my head here, is not um, thinking of a deeper integration with threads, uh, which is their new product. Uh, so you can assume that and you can state that assumption. And then you can say, you know, if for the feature that you have come up with or for the product that you have come up with or the improvement, uh, would that have changed drastically if you knew that there was a big like threads Instagram like merge product coming? Uh, that would probably change some things about the the way that you're that you're looking at these influencers or even the types of influencers that you would tackle. Um, the in influencers on threads are going to be different than the ones on Instagram. So this is something that you would want to address. That is not necessarily the one that you would want to call out, but if you're making assumptions, say what they are, and if they had a big impact on the way that you approach the problem, then explain that. Um, and these also give your reviewers context and help them to understand your thinking, which is really the whole goal of the exercise. Step two is identifying your user and market. This seems really, really obvious, um, hopefully, but it is actually something where I have seen a lot of people fall down. Um, it might, it might seem like if you're doing Instagram influencers, for example, that you don't really need to define your user because it's Instagram influencers. Um, but that's not true. You do need to understand, like, are you looking at all Instagram influencers or are you looking at, um, you know, fashion and lifestyle influencers? Or are you looking at influencers uh, in the United States? Are you looking at influencers who are on multiple platforms? Are you looking at Instagram only influencers? There are so many different ways that you can break this down. Um, and are you looking, yeah, I mean, in the Instagram influencer example, you could take that in so many different directions, but you could look at people who are spending equal amounts of time on Instagram and TikTok and how you might convert them more to, to Instagram versus TikTok users. Um, so for, for exercise number one, this isn't really going to be that relevant. Um, 
for the other exercises, it's like absolutely essential that you get this right. This is so key to to you delivering a successful case study. Uh, who who is going to use this product or feature that you're talking about, and why? Why are they going to use it? What will they use it for? Um, again, that might seem obvious, but it's really important to say so. Um, and then, who are you competing against, and why are they going to use your product instead of your competitor's product? So I did a case study once, and in the interview, an engineer asked, and this was my case study that I was personally delivering. Um, an interview, an an engineer on the interviewing panel asked whether I'd thought about integrations with third-party applications. Um, I hadn't because I ran out of time, um, but I could have headed that off at the past like pretty easily with a quick note about focusing on core functionality because that is what the majority of my users wanted to do. Um, and I could have I could have delivered that more effectively if I'd more clearly articulated my user and their specific need. Um, and again, if the answer to why are they choosing your product is because it's the market leader, like why are people using Instagram over others? Like, well, because Instagram is the, the biggest market share. That is that is not the right answer unless you have more to say about that. Uh, you need to actually have something insightful there. Hopefully, you do. So, the next thing is um, important. It's not quite as important, but it's still important to show that you can do this. Um, data literacy is really important for, for PMs. Um, and there's a ton, there's so much publicly accessible information in the world. It's really, uh, there's sort of no excuse not to. Um, so you can look at like Dow, you can, you can look at growth, you can look at market share. Um, you, can, you can just fit all these pieces together. Um, and don't use data for the sake of using data, like use it where it makes sense. But do try to reference data to support yourself. Like data-driven is obviously like a very cliched term at this point, but it's important to use data uh, when you're making decisions. You don't want to make an, a feature for Instagram influencers who like to walk their dogs on Tuesdays and go get a coffee while they're doing that and then film it. Like that's that's not going to be a useful feature. So you want to look at like support your decisions. Um, and anecdata maybe for data, definitely not. Um, I once read a case study and the only data point referenced in the entire case study was a single Quora answer. Uh, that was, I was not very impressed by this person's um, use of use of data to support their, their hypothesis, which, you know, I didn't actually agree with their hypothesis in their case study, but that's fine. Like your, your reviewers might not agree with you or they might not think it's a great idea, but as long as you have good rationale, that's acceptable. Um, but having no rationale is not great. And data is going to be your friend in explaining why you went the direction you did. Um, you also shouldn't limit your use of data to just inputs. So you actually want to be able to show that you can think about outputs. Um, you launch a feature into the world and, and that's it, right? Like it's, it's done and you can celebrate and go get drinks with your team or get donuts and then go home happy. Uh, but that's actually not the case. You do need to make sure that your feature um, lands. So there's launching and then there's landing. And you want to make sure your feature lands. How how will you think about that? I know this is going to be a theoretical feature or product, but you do need to have thought about how you will measure the success of the product, what metrics you will look at, um, and you need to list those and talk about those. That's very important. So the other element here that's a little bit more sort of a little bit more nebulous and a little bit trickier to sort of nail down and, 
and see whether you're doing it, so you'll probably need to get others' input on this, is to make sure that you're storytelling well. Um, so I would say, like, leave the jargon at the door. You don't need to, you don't need to lean on technical words or big words. Like you want to make this so anyone in the world could understand what you're proposing and why. Um, you want to use visuals and clear language, just make it straightforward, illustrate your points, um, and write to your write to your audience. So understand why they've given you the the example that they've given you and try to try to weave your story around that. Um, so I was once helping someone with a case study. I was helping them to develop a case study to present uh, to a company. And they launched on slide two. They had this slide one was like, here's here's me, here's about me. Slide two was their solution. So they were going to present their case study to a panel, but I, I wasn't sure that everyone on the panel would necessarily have even understood what the exercise was. So I advised this person who I was helping um, to restate the exercise, including the prompt, including her assumptions and some basic information and context right off the bat. And it went really well and she ended up getting an offer. Um, so make sure that you are telling a cohesive story from start to finish. Give your um, give your interviewers or your reviewers all of the context that they need up front. Make it really clear. Uh, this sort of goes along with the previous previous slide, but write an outline. It doesn't have to be literally like a like a college like bulleted outline. Uh, but the point is to give yourself structure and make sure that you are telling a coherent story and that what you say at the beginning aligns with what you say at the end and that all the parts in the middle sort of support that. Like it's a little bit like your basic essay structure. Um, but can your user read what you've written and understand the point of it all and how it fits together? You do want to keep your scope tight and focused. If you're meandering, it's not going to help your cause. Um, so one of the more memorable interviews that I have ever been in was a candidate who had lots and lots of good ideas, uh, which you might think is great, but it was all over the place. And they had maybe like a dozen very, very deep and complex features that they had defined as their MVP. Um, just one of those features, if they executed it really, really well, uh, would have been really impressive. Uh, but overall, it felt very cluttered and like the candidate couldn't commit and they couldn't articulate um, they couldn't articulate the, the essence of what they were trying to do. They lacked the ability to sort of drill down and prioritize what was essential to their user. Um, and more crucially, they didn't even understand their user because all of their ideas addressed different use cases for different users. So you want to make sure that you're being really, really clear, really concise, really succinct, and you have sort of one one idea, one thought, and that it there's a like a thread weaving throughout. And as I mentioned earlier, you are not going to create a perfect solution. And that's great. That's fine. You don't want to create a perfect solution because that's not the point. You'll spend so much time, you'll spin your wheels. Um, that's not the goal of the exercise. So and in fact that's 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 how it works in the PM world too. Like I'm when I'm shipping features, hopefully they're as close to perfect as possible, but you're always making trade-offs, whether that's because there's tech debt, because there's different like implications of things that you're doing. You don't want to cannibalize another product. Like There's always trade-offs that you need to make and, and things that you need to think about. Um, and you also just, if you keep trying to make a perfect product, you will never ship anything. So you want to acknowledge your solution's shortcomings. You want to had that off in the past before anyone else does learn from my mistakes 
So this could be where you cover edge cases. Uh, you can acknowledge flaws. You can talk about how you might mitigate them um, and talk about why you didn't prioritize those edge cases or their flaws. This is a good place to use data, for example. Um, and again, this, this section doesn't need to be perfect. Your solution doesn't need to be perfect. This section doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be thoughtful and present. Uh, so next up in the same, along the same lines is to share a roadmap. So those shortcomings that we talked about, the mitigations, maybe you've identified um, anything that you did not end up doing because you were trying to have one tight and focused idea, you can put those in a roadmap. If you have addressed one set of users, but you know there's another really important set of users that is going to be waiting and waiting for their for their feature, you can talk about that as well. Um, a short and sweet list of prioritized features or improvements is all that you really need here. So you can share what you see in the future. Um, and ideally, you'll explain why you prioritize the work the way that you did um, and what you gain from the rest of the roadmap. Like, does it open up new markets? Does it make the product stickier? Uh, what are some trade-offs that you would need to make? Are there opportunities? Um, so all of the ideas that you've called previously, they can be here if you need. And again, this also should be structured and cohesive and rational and not just a grab bag of cool stuff that didn't make the cut. This one is a little uh, controversial, but go with trends at your peril. So a few years ago, I was interviewing people and everyone was talking about augmented reality. It was very rare to get a case study that didn't have some component of augmented reality. Um, and then everyone was really into crypto and, and Web3 and that was that was the cool thing. And, and now obviously it's generative AI and LLMs and I am fully on the generative AI and LLM bandwagon and I think it's really cool. Um, but it's also going to be what everyone else is putting in these ideas. So you you run the risk of blending in, I would say, if you do these. Um, these are cool things. They have lots of utility, but you will likely be one of many people talking about the same thing. So if you do choose to use something trendy, execute it well and make sure that you do genuinely have a passion for it. Um, one of the coolest solutions I've seen was a person who sort of flipped the prompt that we that we gave her on its head, um, she was given an, an exercise to improve the experience, a shopping experience in a supermarket, and she designed a feature to make things better for cashiers, which was um, something that we hadn't seen before. And she like identified that there's more than one type of user in a shopping scenario, and then articulated a really clear vision of uh, a single useful feature for this user, the cashier. Um, so she took a risk, and it paid off. She stood out. She didn't. There were lots of there were lots of augmented reality solutions to this shopping experience uh, prompt. So, if you go with trends, make sure that you do it well, do it tightly, do it do it clearly. Um, but also, you might want to just do something different to stand out. Do something sort of back to basics solution. It doesn't have to be trendy and fancy to be successful. And frameworks can also be trendy. I feel I have to say that um, because you, if you're using the same framework as everyone else and you are writing around a framework, um, then you run the risk of sounding a little robotic. Um, so feel free to use frameworks. Frameworks are very helpful. I use frameworks all the time as a PM. We all use frameworks. They help us think. Uh, but don't just go with whatever's hip and trendy and sort of regurgitate it. This is really obvious, but practice. If you're delivering it live, if you're just sending it in and then getting, you know, getting an answer about whether you move to the next round later, that's that's great. But 
If you are delivering it live, I cannot emphasize this enough. You really do need to practice. Um, this could mean going through your exercise with a partner or a mock interview buddy, or it could just mean using, you know, photo booth or like whatever app to record yourself and then watch it back and see where you can improve. Um, also, be sure that you allow time for questions, feedback, and discussion, like a big buffer. You don't want to have a 45-minute block for your interview. And if you record yourself, you take 45 minutes to present the slides. That's not going to work. Uh, you want to make sure that you add in a significant amount of buffer. And then my last tip, I hope that this is not going to sound too cliched and too trite, but it really should be kind of fun. I know that these can be really tiring, and especially if you're trying to break into the market and you have um, a lot of these to do, it can be it can be kind of draining. Um, but really, this is a chance to sort of flex your PM muscles. Hopefully, if you are a PM or if you are planning on becoming a PM, you enjoy this type of thing. Um, each each one that you do is going to be an opportunity to practice. And each time you do it, it should become easier. Um, and it will give you an opportunity to learn the specific skills. And also, the more of these you do, the better you are at doing it on the fly, which will help you in, in interview scenarios where you do have to to work through these problems in real time with someone else. Um, so that is the end of my, of my presentation on PM uh, case studies. And again, hopefully this has been helpful. I have done my fair share of case studies. I re reviewed them and I, I really enjoy um, mostly not, not writing them. I hope I don't have to do too many more of those in my career, but I really enjoy reviewing them and seeing the effort that people put in. People come up with really cool ideas and um, maybe I will review one of yours someday. So thanks again for watching and I hope it was helpful. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Taking the time to write just a few sentences about what you love most about the show will help us improve it and reach even more product people around the world. And when you're done, why not reward yourself with some free product management content and resources over at productschool.com. Until next time, stay product-led.